I didn't notice. I didn't think about it. But then today when they were talking about it, everyone on the internet was like, I've known for decades that Velma, this cartoon character, is gay, which I just thought was funny. I mean, if you were on Tumblr in 2010, all over the place. If you had a dollar for every time (laughs) you said if you were on Tumblr in in 2010 to 2015, then you would have as many dollars as Billy Eichner from Billy in the Streets, who we will will be talking about on our next segment. (laughs) I know I've said it a lot, but it's true. Um, Even like on Twitter, I've seen recently that like moment in one of the scooby-doo cartoons where basically like daphne gets lifted up because she's being like carried by a ghost or whatever and she's like velma don't look and velma like it's like wow i have a great view from down here like she's looking at daphne and that circulates like once every two months yeah i actually know what i had seen that yeah but I saw that as an adult. Like, I saw it in the I'm context saying, of making the jokes on the internet. But I get it. That they've, like, only, already hinted at it. It's not only Tumblr 2010 to 2015. It's Twitter 2022. They're also talking about <laughs> it. also, like, a month ago and three months before that. Yeah. Um, Because Shay Mitchell was not an original piece of news, we did have a third piece. So thank you so wow. much for sticking with us. Bonus content. This is in this funny you said content because it is focused on video game content. My favorite. Um, A study came out that found that video game players avoid playing gay characters. Um, This study found that gamer behavior shows that they shy away from gay characters, regardless of that character's strengths in the game. Um, I can't really say I'm a video gamer. Recently bought FIFA 21, not even the most modern version, and had a lot of fun with that. But this (laughs) study specifically talked about Overwatch, which is what, like... It's like an online, I don't know what they call it, battle royale type, type thing, but not really. So like a fighting game where like a player yeah. will have like a speed level and a strength. Yeah, level. you like choose a character and then you head on to like a battlefield or arena and then you have to fight the other team. Anyway, so this company did a study and what they found through their research team um, by examining the pick rate, the frequency at which a player, which players choose a specific character. Um, they did this before, during and after the announcement of Soldier 76 sexuality. And they found an extreme drop in the pick rate for Soldier 76 after the news was revealed that he was gay. Um, their data suggested that players shied away from playing with the newly outed character. Um, interestingly, instead of choosing Soldier 76, several players chose the only other LGBTQ plus character in the game, Tracer, the lesbian soldier. Though Soldier 76 had previously been assumed by most to be straight, Tracer had been openly gay since the game was initially published. Which is to me like, maybe we just don't like feeling tricked in any way. You know what I mean? It could be that. I did think Soldier 76 is a pretty like masculine man. I thought maybe most players would be like, oh, yeah, like he's supposed to be masculine and heteronormative and all that stuff. So, yeah, so I think that news overarchingly is just more disappointing than it is surprising. I guess when I do think of like the people who play video games stereotypically, they're more interested in like that manly man character. And unfortunately, I do think that there's a little bit of like the idea that a gay man isn't that manly. So they're less attracted to Soldier 76 than they might have been before. Um, But again, just disappointing. I don't know if it's surprising, but there is now data, at least with this video game, to support the idea that gay characters are picked less often. In the video game world based on this one data set um yeah interesting though sad yeah hopefully we'll get rid of that perception in the future but 
on to some more gay content. Today we're going to be talking about Billy Eichner's newest romantic comedy. And historically, according to him, the only big budget box office movie about a gay rom-com. Hmm. We'll see how true that actually is. Um, Stay tuned for more. It's here, the moment of truth. We're talking about bros. Wow, this is what everyone really wanted from us. Yeah, we got like zero comments to talk about this. Um, nobody asked us to, but here we are. Doing it anyway. <laughs> We're doing it for you, the people. They really need to know what we think. They do. Um, bros came out September 30th. Full disclosure, we saw this movie a week ago now, mm-hmm. two weeks ago. And we have repeatedly and in-depth talked about it off mic about our feelings and the world's feelings about this movie. And honestly, I feel like I've thought about it way more than I would have liked to naturally thought about any movie. I was going to say, does that almost speak well of it? You know, we talked about it a lot. We kept thinking about it. Maybe it wasn't as bad as we thought. I think that the more I think about it, the less I like it. And I want to be upfront about that Ooh, from the get-go, that I just did not love this movie. And I really don't like Billy Eichner in general. I think his comedy, to me, feels like a shtick all the time um but i didn't hold that against him in the movie aside from the fact that he was like playing himself i was gonna say i feel like you kind of did hold that against him well if it was like billy eichner pretending like acting as somebody else like a character different than billy eichner but his character's name was literally bobby and i feel (laughs) like he just was himself like acting himself it didn't feel like acting it just felt like a long billy eichner skit to me yeah as someone who is more of a fan of Billy Eichner than you. I would say, yeah, it seemed pretty on par with what he usually does. Yeah. Um, for those of you who haven't seen it, who haven't seen the ads for it, which, by the way, was something that I saw on the internet. A good handful of people were like, I didn't even know this movie existed. Crazy, because I do feel like I heard about it forever ago. They mm-hmm. had, like, the poster up in, like, our little small town movie theater, like, forever ago. Yeah, I do think that we are probably the target audience for the ads, and we are extremely online. So the chances that we saw it are probably way higher than, like, it could have been a bad marketing campaign, but because we're so online and because we do go to the movies so much, we would have known about it. That's true, but if you happen to be walking past my small town Regal, you also would have seen the poster You would have forever ago. Forever ago. Um, so for those of you who don't know, I will read you just the Wikipedia synopsis really quick. Bobby, played by Billy Eichner, is a neurotic podcast host who's happy to go on Tinder dates and content not to have a serious relationship. That all changes when he meets Aaron, an equally detached lawyer who likes to play the field. Repeatedly drawn to each other, both men begin to show their vulnerable sides as their undeniable attraction turns into something resembling a commitment. Early September 30th, 2020, and directed by Nicholas Stoller, with a screenplay by Billy Eichner and Nicholas Stoller. It's looking at this is crazy to me because I thought the internet hated it collectively, like it bombed the box office. I'm going to say that having heard like the official um, synopsis right there, I think it definitely tries to hint on some like hit on some actual issues within the gay like community. I think struggling with commitment is a big one that I hear a lot of my like gay male friends having to deal with. So maybe that's why a lot of like the audience really loved it. Because they're like, that's my experience. Yeah. And maybe you and I can't relate as well as to women loving women 
queers. <laughs> um, yeah, I get. I don't know. I don't know if I if getting into the nuances of it. I feel like most people in their twenties feel that way. Like when you're ready for a relationship and everyone's kind of in their twenties, they're like, no, everyone wants to just like mess around. Like I didn't know if I really think commitment is specific. To I don't the- know. I kind of think. I mean, I think it's a real issue that I've heard a lot more frequently amongst gay men and I feel like I've heard it equally in straight relationships not in lesbian ones because that's where you get you hauling from but I feel like that almost feels like universal experience especially like in your 20s and I like, don't know if you're being entirely fair well I don't okay well then we can disagree on it I guess but you think this is strictly a gay experience fighting for commitment you don't think of course women not in straight strictly relationships- but I do think that I've heard it really is like a bigger issue sure what I guess watching this movie what got me was that they try a little bit to explain gay culture, but they also expect you to know a little bit. Like, I'm, what is the intended audience of this movie? Like, do they want gay people to go and get it and they wanted straight people to, like, think it was funny or was it to, like, educate or just to represent? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think mostly to represent, I guess, based on the humor, it seems like it's really playing into, like, gay circles like it has a lot of like um inside jokes i feel like that gay people online would understand or people like really tuned in um it's interesting too cuz like i would argue some of the jokes were like really niche rather than being even like broader like there weren't any like drag race jokes with it which i think a lot of like straight people watch so aimed towards a gay audience yeah who's and, online yeah and and to get why this is relevant, this movie has, and it's fair to say now, we're two or three weeks out, it's bombed at the box office. It had a budget of $22 million and has recouped about $9 million of that. So it hasn't even broken even as of recording. Um, Billy Eichner went on the record and said initially that the reason it bombed is because straight people didn't go out to see it. Which, of course, made straight people upset. But also gay people, because other gay people were like, I didn't even go to see it. Yeah, so. well, that's what I'm saying. I feel like a lot of gay people were either like, oh, I didn't know it existed, or I just don't really care to go see a rom-com in October. Um, which, of course, we we did read a more detailed article about like reasons that this could have bombed. Like, October is not a great rom-com month. This yeah, is like- Variety did like a whole deep dive into the reasons why this movie probably bombed. And it doesn't all have to do with the content. No. It has to do with like a lot of more like logistical reasons- for marketing and like movie making. Yeah. And I mean, if we go over, I think there was four of them, but if we kind of go over some of those, the first one was that Billy Eichner and Luke McFarlane, who are your two leads in this movie, have like very little to no star power. Like aside, do you even know Luke McFarlane, like named two other roles he's ever had? Nope. Can't do it. Billy Eichner, aside from Billy on the streets, named two other roles he's had. Parks and Rec. As a supporting character late after season three or four. And I don't, I can't think of any other ones. I can't think of anything else. Like these two men don't have a lot of star power, um, which is the first one. The second one was that October is not rom-com month. Like that's where rom-coms go to die. Like this is horror month, naturally, intrinsically, and forever and always. Well, I think you have the idea of putting out a rom-com at this time to hope that it doesn't have any other like rom-com competition. Um, that happens with horror movies in the opposite way. Lots of horror movies will come out in February 
And it's like, okay, why do I want to see a horror movie right now? Love is in the air. Love is in the air. Um, so I think instead I'm going to see Halloween in February. <laughs> that is. It happens a lot. So I think that's the idea surrounding that. Just like trying to um, ease away from any competition. Yeah. And then I think, so it was what? Lack of star power. Bad timing. I think bad timing was attributed to like Halloween and also the third reason was like death of the rom-com. Like there hasn't been a popular one since like Crazy Rich Asians and even Crazy Rich Asians was a surprise success. Yeah. yeah. And the other one was just flat out the marketing, the direction that the marketing took, which was to make viewing this seem like a political act instead of like focusing on the comedy itself. Which they really talked about came from like Billy Eichner did a lot of this. Um, and people really faulted him for it. They they did. But basically, he really focused on how historical this movie was going to be. How it was going to be the first big budget movie that focused on a gay romance that was distributed in theaters by a legacy studio being Universal. And so he, in like every interview he went on, was like, this is a rom-com that's historical. It's so big for the gay community. It's so whatever when it should have been pitched as a rom-com and, like, hilariously fall out of your seat funny. And instead, yeah, like, the political act of being, like, this movie is going to change how we consume gay rom-coms. And I, myself, like, Billy Eichner, like, I myself created this and it's historical and I did it and I did whatever. Um, And so people were like, I didn't even know it was going to be funny. I thought it was going to be, like, serious and, like, historical because that's how you (laughs) talked about it. Yeah, and, and um, in that Variety article, they noted just the fact that if you are promoting a comedy of any sorts, you need to focus on the comedy. Like, people are not going to go sit on it, sit for it, if for no other reason other than it's funny. Like, you need it to be funny. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I guess it. there were moments in the movie that I thought were funny. For the most part, I didn't. I didn't, yeah, there were super niche gay jokes sprinkled throughout and if you missed one it wasn't that funny because you're like oh I don't get it it's too niche and I'm in the queer community I mean for the ones that I did get I do want to give it credit because the ones that I understood were funny and it's isn't it always a little great when you do understand a really niche joke you're like who else would have made that joke you know what I mean so um I will say that like it felt good once you understood it, but if you didn't, I imagine the movie <laughs> made you feel left out. And it's crazy. Me and Becca saw it together, and there, I don't think we ever really got a joke at the same time. Like you would laugh at one, you'd be like, "Oh, that was good," and I'd be like, "Oh, I didn't get it." And then five minutes later, <laughs> I would be like, "Oh, that was good," and you're like, "I have no idea who that is." And I think if that's the humor you're relying on, you need to know something about the community. You need to know something about pop culture for this joke to land within a movie. Like, this is not SNL, even though it felt like one long SNL sketch. Like, SNL, like, you need to know the going-ons. Like, you need to know the yeah, AMC like the ad yeah. for the spoof to be funny. A lot of these are, like, so niche that, like, you have to, like, know that about gay culture for that well, to be funny. knowing that gays love Deborah Messing is not that niche, though. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Like, I think the... My j- point just being that not all of them were, like, ridiculously based on something. I Tiny. Even then, I was like, Deborah Messing. What is she, what is she from? Will and Grace. Oh, yeah, I did know that. You should know that. I didn't know her name, but when she came on screen, which, by you the way, know she, her did face. A, she did a couple times, and I was like, this is, feels like a really deep pool for you to be here. Um, I did, yeah, I did know her face when she's Okay, 
I think they actually told us where she was from. They're they like did. from Will and Grace. And I was like, oh, Will and they Grace. Did. Yeah, I got it. I got it then. You're right. But I would not have got that naturally. And then it's like, is a straight person just going to know that the gays love Deborah Messing? You would because Will and Grace. Can't you just connect the two dots? It's the, like the first show on like primetime cable with a gay moder- gay man main character. Yeah, I guess so. I got they referenced Shit's <laughs> Creek like a thousand times, and I was like, "Yes, everybody loves Sh- everybody loves Shit's Creek," well, but maybe, everyone knows the gays love Shit's Creek. I think. Well, doesn't that also make sense? Because <laughs> well, that made more you sense. You have a pansexual like, main character, and that's like a modern day Will and Grace almost. Yeah, Will and Grace maybe was just beyond your time. <laughs> I watched the first season. I think. Did you actually? Yeah, I did. Of the new reboot or of the old re- one? No, of the reboot. Okay. Yeah. Not not as whatever the original was. Did not see that. Um, well, let's take it from the top. Let's just like talk about bros and what it was and if you liked it and if you think it was helpful or not. I did not like bros. For a lot of like structurally as a movie, I didn't like it. One of the my big complaints is even if we think back five minutes ago when I read that Wikipedia thing... It describes Billy Eichner's Bobby as a podcaster. He starts the movie as a podcaster. Like the first scene is him like recording his podcast. He makes a comment. He's like, thank you for a million listeners on my podcast. Five minutes later in the movie, like a fan asks for a photo. Like you're supposed to know he's that big of a podcaster. A million listeners. People are asking for photos at dinner. And then 10 minutes into the movie... They stopped talking about that at all, and he is the head museum cur- curator of the soon-to-be-opened LGBTQ plus history museum. Never to be mentioned again. It is weird that they didn't mention it again, but at the same time, I think it's easy for him to have been a podcaster and also a museum curator. Like, to me, it seemed like he was like, because he was so popular as a podcaster, that's what got him the job as this museum curator in New York City. No, like, I, I get that it's believable to be like, he was so popular. Wouldn't it make sense for him to like head this division? I don't even know because if you're a podcaster, you're not inherently a good curator, but I got it. But they never mention it again. He is right. never treated as a famous person. He is never approached again. He never talks about nor records another episode of his podcast after like starting the movie with the scene with him recording his podcast. Like they had small holes like that the whole time. Like, if it wasn't even a gay film, I would just be like, that's kind of weird. They just changed his career without telling anyone. Crazy. (laughs) That did not bother me as much as it bothered you, apparently. But something that really bothered me was just the fact that I did not care about this love story at all. And Mm -hmm. isn't that the most integral part of a rom-com? What part about the love story did you not like? Um, Well, I think we talked about this earlier, but it really, it was, it, it seemed like what they were trying to do was like an enemies to lovers thing. Mm-hmm. Like two guys who kind of dislike who the other one is and they bicker all the time and they fight, but then they slowly fall in love and then they're in love or whatever. But instead it was like, I don't know, it was two guys that were different and then bickered and then one scene they were off and then one scene they were like sort of on and then they were off again and then they were on and then... They decided to be together for three months at least like it was like it was like cut up almost it was strange like you didn't see the flow yeah and one of the things that we just now i was just sitting here thinking about right before we started recording is hey okay let's start i love me a good enemies to lovers trope me too i don't fault that if it's done well big fan 
big fan. Yeah, they just didn't do it well. And I guess part of the reason is that Billy Eichner's Bobby, and I don't should I call him Bobby or Billy Eichner? Bobby. All right, Bobby, our lead. Like, it starts with, like, him not liking Aaron, the other lead, and Aaron, like, is indifferent to Bobby. So it's not even an enemies to lovers. It's like an I hate you, but you're hot to, like, oh, I'm hot and also kind of, like, he's kind of a himbo. Like, he's kind of busy doing other stuff. Like, he doesn't hate Bobby, but Bobby hates him. So it's not even an enemies to lovers. You're right. It's an indifference to hater. You know what I mean? Indifference to hater? Yeah. Like, Aaron is indifferent, and Bobby hates Aaron for being, like, not paying him enough attention. Okay. And what they failed to do, and this is what I was thinking about right before we started recording, is that, like, there are never any moments that, like, show them showing affection and, like, falling for each other. Yeah, which is a big deal if you're trying to do a romance movie. Yeah, you're just supposed to, like, take it that they just had this connection that they just didn't. Like, it was awkward and it was stilted and I don't think it was ever really comfortable. Like, even in the moments after they've, like, had sex and are laying in bed together, they're not cute and cuddly. They're, like, uncomfortable moments. Well, they're supposed to be cute and cuddly in the movie. Remember, he's, like... He's like, oh, I love laying here with you. But they're supposed to be doing that, like, bickering thing still, basically. Aaron comments on his chest. Which He's is not like, cute. oh, I it, love like, laying on top of you. I think they're supposed to be cute. And it just isn't. I think you and I didn't really like it. But I think the filmmakers thought that they were a balance of, like, oh, teasing and cute, you know? I just I didn't receive it like that. I thought it was uncomfortable because that made Bobby's character uncomfortable. And that was like the crux of the issue was he was like, oh, you're so hairy. Like, look at your little chest. And maybe it's like bickering cute. And then it's the crux of the problem for the next 30 minutes in the movie. How Bobby just feels like he's not an attractive person. Didn't like it. Yeah, I think overall for us, at least it didn't play off the way it was supposed to. No. Um. They also... And they were, we read a really interesting thread about how they selectively included so many genuine people from the queer community. Yeah. The two leads were both gay in this gay rom-com. Which I really appreciated reading that. For myself personally, I just thought it was a valiant effort to try to lift up other LGBTQ people. Yeah, I thought reading it, it's cool. Isn't it always in the conversation to have gay actors play gay characters? Mm -hmm. There's a surplus of gay actors, I'm sure. It can't be that hard to pull some. Um, But Billy Eichner did a really good job casting queer actors and queer roles, which was cool. I think the downfall to me a little bit was that there was like, in an effort to uplift voices, he had a couple scenes with a couple people that I think he was just trying to like, get seen that just like didn't fit in the movie there's like a 30 second interaction with like a tiktoker like a real life tiktoker tiktoker who has like an impression of kamala harris but that's where we differ because i thought that was funny it didn't make any sense the awkwardness was funny because he's coming in to quit he's like yeah i'm quitting and she's like haha me too i'm doing this tiktok impression like that's so I don't know, Gen Z or whatever, to be like quitting your good job where you work at a law firm. But how because does that you're gonna, have a place in this You're like, going to reach your dream. Rom-com about Bobby because and Aaron. Aaron had to quit his job my to follow fe- his dream. My feeling is that this movie just felt like a long SNL skit. And that that specific scene was exactly what I was talking, like exactly why I felt that way. 
Which I think we disagree, like hard disagree on this one moment. I thought it fit fine. It was funny. It went along with Aaron having to quit his nice job to follow his dream of being a chocolatier or whatever. Like both of them were going off to follow some like weird dream. But it's funny that she's a TikToker. But I don't, I guess. But it, it was plays just like- directly into that one woman, Sarah, whoever, who had like her Trump impression. Yeah. I no, thought it was a direct I play. On yeah, I, I get it. I thought that that scene could not have existed. Like you could have uplifted 10 voices. You didn't need to like just keep adding ones. Like is a 30 second clip that is arguably not fit. Does that really help that much in uplifting voices? I don't know her name, but I do remember the moment. So I'm going to argue yes. I remember her face. I guess so. She would not be known by anybody if she didn't, if she wasn't in this movie. I'm going to assume she's queer in some way, so... Yeah, I would guess so, too. I don't think it helped her. (laughs) Like, the scene that we're talking about, by the way, is that one of our leads decides he's going to quit his job as a lawyer, and he's going to go make chocolates, because that was a childhood dream. And as he goes in to quit, there's just this other girl who's like, oh, yeah, I'm quitting, too, because I did a Kamala Harris impression on TikTok, and that's what I'm going to go do now. And she exists for 30 seconds. It's really lifting off. (laughs) It's just really lifting off. She exists for 30 seconds. That's the end of the scene. And then you move on with the love story. Um, that happens all the time, though, in comedies. Yeah, I guess so. I didn't like it. That's it. That's fine. Didn't think it fit. But I don't know. If, everything else I can agree with. I just feel like this one scene I disagree with. What also was interesting is that a lot of the themes that they tried to touch on I don't know if they landed and I don't know if that's because of intention or because of like messy writing. Have you ever seen Zootopia? Yes, I've seen Zootopia. Don't worry. This plays into what we're talking about. Okay. Zootopia on the surface has a very um, clear theme. What is it? Uh, it is a little rabbit that wants no, to be what's the best. The theme? Police, the, being the best you can be. The theme is racism is bad. No, that you said on the surface, what is the theme? Yeah. The theme is being the best that you can, can be, be another in the one. face of adversity. Fine. That can be another one. But I think when you, especially adults, when you walk out of it, you're like, clearly that was trying to tell me that we should not be racist to anyone. Bunnies can be whoever they want. Predators should not be prejudiced against, discriminated against. You see what I'm saying? But when you dig into that movie... If you actually pay attention to the details, none of it logistically lines up. Like their metaphor doesn't make any actual sense within the plot. That's how I feel like bros is. Like if I'm thinking about it, the like main theme is like don't judge a book by its cover sort of like. Like about Bobby, Billy Eichner's character. He's like, don't judge me. Well, Aaron feels the same way. Like. I'm not boring just because I'm into whatever. Yeah, but this feels like Bobby's story. So to me, it was always Billy Eichner the whole time was like, don't judge me. I don't look like you, but you don't know me. Yes. And then the whole movie. But then it all falls apart. The whole movie, Billy Eichner's Bobby judges everyone. Yeah. Surface level. He judges everyone. He plays into like the things that people judge him for. He's like, yes, I am mean. And... (laughs) Like, judgmental and blah, blah, blah. But that's just me, I think baby. I'm better than you. Yeah. But that's just me. I'm self-aware and better than everyone else, but that's just me. So, yeah. 
I guess my main issues with it is just the fact that if you're actually paying attention, none of these themes actually like um, stand on their own. Like none of them have the right points. Yeah. And what somebody said online is like time and time again, Billy Eichner's character, his whole issue is that he's like a skinny, lanky guy. His love interest in the movie is like a sporty, hunky guy who sleeps with other sporty, hunky guys. And so Billy Eichner feels like, I don't know, you don't like me. I don't look like you. Therefore, you'll never find me attractive. And then someone else pointed out that every single Billy I- person Billy Eichner sleeps with in this movie, which is four or five people, are all really attractive guys. Billy Eichner spends the whole movie being like mad at his love interest. Like, you only find sporty guys attractive. Yeah. And then Billy Eichner himself only sleeps with sporty guys. That's what I'm saying. Like... Okay, it, yeah, it instantly got, falls apart. Yeah, like your whole argument about like, you don't find me attractive, just be honest, and then you're doing that is crazy. And there's a scene where his love interest is like caught using testosterone or something, like he's in, which is also like why, do, like it was kind of a weird angle to take, but he's caught injecting the testosterone, and Billy Eichner is like, almost is like, oh, I'm sorry, but like you care about your image. And then his love interest, Aaron, is like, well, you do too. That's the only thing you ever comment on about me is how hot I am. Yeah, and then it's like never brought up again. No, then it's, it's brought not- up. It's brought up like twenty minutes later when then Billy Eichner like is like, "Oh, you don't think I'm attractive, so I'm gonna use steroids one time." Right, but I mean like, like Aaron's statement about him only, only loving him, him for his yeah. looks. Like Billy does not really. There's no argument that comes after that. Which like, don't you think in another movie it would like, like that would be like a harsh blow. That would be like a turning point. Yeah, that would be the moment you start to like reflect on your internal biases and like oh am i forcing you to do that i'm so sorry and billy eichner doesn't do that he's just like no you don't like me he's like okay fair yeah like while yeah, like, you're doing you testosterone. should use the testosterone yeah like the idea that the guy who is fit is like exempt from these feelings of i have to be fit was crazy and so that's like annoying a lot of that in the movie a lot of like there's a duality to feeling and then it like sticks with billy eichner's point of view Moreover, I just think that these characters were, like, not likable. Either one. Like, Aaron I was I thought okay. Aaron was somewhat likable. I liked him. I think he was a little... Like, I think that they built him to be so bland that I yeah. wasn't... Even, like, from everything. Like, his, like, personality. his Like, basically, he's supposed to be a little dense. Yeah. But he's also a lawyer. But he's a probate lawyer. So it's like, he's like, my job sucks. I don't have anything to talk about my job because I just do probate. I don't have anything to talk about, just, like, sports. Uh, that's kind of it. So he's not not likable. He's just boring. Then Billy Eichner's straight up not likable because he's arrogant, self-righteous, and mean. Yeah, and then they... I think they try to give Aaron his chocolatier dream to make him, like, more interesting. But I almost think it's not fair that they give him, like, a goofy one. Like, I think it almost just, like, makes him a joke. Yeah, like, still, he's still the butt of the joke even at the end of it. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, I guess if you were going to give him, like, a thoughtful thoughtful dream, it would have made sense for his character. Like, why can't he want to start, like, a youth hockey program? Yeah, like, something, something. that would give him, like, some depth. But instead, I feel like, oh, we're just laughing because he always wanted to, like, make, make chocolates, chocolates. And isn't that really gay? I don't know. Um, Which we're not against making chocolates as a dream career. No, but the movie definitely plays it off to be a joke. Yeah. Like, it's funny that this big man... Wants to make chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. One of the scenes in the movie 
Um, Aaron is a pretty manly man in the way that is very stereotypical. Um, his parents come down from Upper New York to Lower New York. I think that's <laughs> Lower New York. <laughs> Lower New York to the city to New York City. New York City, and maybe predictably so, Billy Eichner's character is like overtly gay. And Aaron isn't in the closet, um, but he is still like a stereotypical manly man. Like he talks about sports and like movies and stuff. And Billy Eichner's character almost exclusively talks about queer events and queer culture and queer icons. So the entirety of this night, basically, is spent with Billy Eichner pointing out gay stuff and having planned gay stuff. Mm -hmm. And so they get to this, I don't know, like event thing, like a tree place. I don't know. I don't even know what it's called. Um, and Aaron pulls Billy Eichner aside and is like, hey, man, can you tone it down? You're being too much right now. <laughs> and they still have a dinner planned that Billy Eichner planned. So they go to dinner at this like gay sing-along restaurant. And Which genuinely looks pretty fun. I'd like to go there someday. I don't know if I would, but I, I would go, but I don't know if I'd actively like to go. Come on. If you planned it, sure. <laughs> But they're at this dinner and Billy Eichner is now like very, very quiet because he's offended that he's been asked to tone it down. Yeah. Um, so he's just not saying much, not really participating, being very stiff. And then the mom makes a comment like, oh, I teach second graders and I don't know if we should introduce them to LGBTQ stuff because they're too young. Mm -hmm. And then Billy Eichner gets mad and then like combative and then is like angry the rest of the night and gets in an argument with Aaron's mom about it. Yes. Night ends, but that whole theme of toning it down becomes the centerpiece for their imbalance in the relationship and, like, why they don't like each other. Well, I'm, yeah, they break up, sort of, after this night. Yeah. What does Aaron do? Aaron, after the breakup, doesn't do a lot. He, like, quits his job. That's when he decides no, to be no, chocolatier. No. But, like, yeah, the point is that he then is, like, at a bar or something and a guy from his high school who's now out they're like in the alley and this guy from his high school like goes to kiss him and in Aaron's defense he's like no 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 I don't want to and then they kind of do for like three seconds and Billy Eichner walks out and is like I knew you were gonna cheat on me and like of course with this guy who's attractive because he's a sports guy because you don't find me attractive yeah he's basically like you never liked me these are always the guys you've been into it's messed up and then they break up then they break up. Nothing really important happens. They realize they want to be back together. And then they get back together. And then there's a musical number at the end. It doesn't have any place there. but And the museum there. opens. And the museum opens. And they end up together. Yep. And that's that. And that's the end of that movie. Um, how do you feel about the theme of like toning it down? Asking someone to tone it down. I think I wouldn't really like it. I want you to be like proud of who I am realistically. Like you're my partner. I want you to like, like me for me. But at the same time, aren't there sometimes situations where you just like, if someone is really like, I don't want to cause a scene. Like my parents are newly coming to terms with things like this. Like, you know what I mean? Um, so I think like, if you love your partner, you would be willing to like do that for them. Like, okay. Like I'm, making this like small sacrifice to like keep this night in order or whatever yeah i file it in the same category of like not talking politics at thanksgiving 
Yeah, which a lot of, I think, like left-leaning and progressive people don't like that idea anymore because they're kind of like, oh, we should be like um, cutting people off or like always taking on the aggressive attitude, which I appreciate that. But realistically, I don't think a lot of people are going to do that to their family members whom they love and everything. So in this instance where it's like, oh, we're trying to meet my family and I love you, but, you know, we're trying to get used to this and everything. I think Billy Eichner's Bobby just took the wrong stance here. Which he frequently does the whole movie. I mean, I can get being upset that you're asked to tone it down. I might too, but... Overall, like that can stay between you and your partner then when the night's over and you can be like, I didn't really like that. It made me feel bad, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And then you can address it next time, but you don't need to start a family with your just introduced to mother-in-law figure. Yeah. I think that a little bit of social graces superseded Bobby's feelings, Billy Eichner's feelings on the matter. Yeah. Like social graces means don't get in an argument in the middle of dinner and don't do it while the cast is singing the song around us. (laughs) <laughs> which to me was the funniest not, part of the film it was always a situationalness of it not the gayness of it but like the idea that they're like having this argument and there's like yeah waiters singing that to me was funny but the argument itself wasn't funny i don't think the argument was supposed to be funny was it yeah it was a little bit because billy eichner kept being like no i don't think you should do that but i don't know and then he oh go to you're drink right the wine. he's like attempting to be nice about it but can't help himself yeah and so I think that was supposed to be funny, but what was actually funny to me is the fact that there was, like, people dancing around and singing. That was also supposed to be funny, though, right? Yeah. That's why they, like... Yeah. Okay. There right. was layers to the comedy. Um, overarchingly, what what would you say was just, like, a positive? What was, like, the number one positive of the film? For me, it was the niche humor sometimes. Whenever I got it, I was like, yeah, that's good. That's funny. I appreciate that I understood it. There's a gag where, like, Sarah Paulson, because she has such a good American Horror Story screaming face, they've remade, Hallmark Channel has remade Home Alone with Sarah Paulson. She's, like, a gay icon and also makes a perfect screaming face for the Home Alone poster. That one really made me laugh. So things like that, I think. You know, it's like, like, I wouldn't call it pandering, but it's nice to be the target audience for once, because when are we ever the target audience? Yeah, sure. I think not related to the plot, but my favorite part was the casting of like an all queer cast Mm -hmm. when necessary Um, that a gay person played a gay person at all times, um, which I thought was really cool. But overarchingly, I think the film missed a lot of what it was going for and Billy Eichner and his response to the way the film was received, like made me feel like, well, yeah, people don't have to see it. Yeah, I think overall that statement put a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. Which, again, was straight people that didn't go to see it. That's why it bombed. Yeah, and wildly, you had a lot of people like on Twitter just being like, no, I didn't see it either. Like, I, as a gay person, did not see this movie either, and you need to realize that, Billy Eichner. Like, you did not even score your target audience. Yeah. Would you recommend it as a rom-com to anyone? No. Would you recommend it as, like, a gay film? And you like if the top three, you're like somebody's Maybe like, what's a gay film to watch? Top three, no. Top, Maybe if it's like top five on Netflix one day, and it's like two a.m. and you're like, I just need something that's gay to pass the time. I'd be like, sure. 
there are some people in this movie that are good to look at and some moments that are really funny. So go ahead if it's on Netflix. But overall, no. No. <laughs> Would not suggest going to theaters for it. Wouldn't even put it as like a great gay movie. Like there are some really good ones. We talked about Imagine Me and You. Loved that film. Mm-hmm. Not one of my favorite films ever, but they're like to me the way I felt is that there are better gay movies, there are better romantic movies, and there are better rom com movies. And therefore in every category, bros was like whatever. Subpar a little bit. I agree. That's kind of all I have to say about it. If you need to watch bros though to listen to this episode, go ahead. Wait till Tuesday, where your local movie theater probably has a cheaper version. Get the six dollar <laughs> ticket. That's what we did. And feel free. You may need to brush up on some gay humor. Um, it's a long film. It's an hour and 55 minutes. As that's a rom-com? As a rom-com? That's normal. No, that's long. That's normal these days. For a rom-com. Yeah. No, people online were like, that is a self-indulgent time. I'm pretty sure that's pretty normal these days. We looked it up and I was wrong. That is a standard film time for a rom-com. Thank you. Yeah, uh, The Proposal is 148. 27 Dresses is 151. Definitely Maybe is 151. Um, Friends with Benefits, 149. So it's about the same time. <laughs> but it felt more like a slog. That's because of the movie itself, not directly related to the time. Yeah. All right, last thing then. On a okay. scale of one or zero to five stars, how many stars would you give this? We're going to theater film. Went to the theater, not for a Netflix film. Okay. Going I still theater. gave it a two and a half. A two and a half stars. A solid 50%. Which is right on par with Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes gave it an 88%. Then why'd you say it was right on par? I don't know, because I was going to give it something really low. It's just right on par with Rotten Tomatoes, which gave it an 88%. Uh, 88 and 50 are really far off. Okay, well, this is just a bit of in like something that I thought was interesting that I'll go over, which was the idea that we grade things thinking that a five is really bad. Like if it's one to 10, we think five is really bad. Yeah. And like a movie's not good unless it's a seven, eight, nine, or 10. Yes, that is how I feel mostly. But if it's on the bell curve, most movies would be between a four and a six. So the way we, sure. the way we currently rate movies is interesting. So an 88 actually means that it's very high. It does. I was shocked. But to give it two and a half at 50 is right in the middle of the bell curve where most films should theoretically lay. Yeah, I mean, when I gave it to it, I was like, okay, kind of average. That's how I felt. It was like, I don't know, nothing spectacular, but I didn't think it was the worst movie I've ever seen in the world. I gave it a half star purely because I thought that it was subpar in every category. I think there's better rom-coms. That's really low. I didn't like the movie. That's crazy. If we wouldn't have paid for it, I wouldn't have sat through it. Yeah, you don't let me sit through any movies, so. Um, but I guess that's it. Maybe Billy Eichner one day will have another chance to redeem himself because this movie didn't resonate with a lot of people. Um, I would also like to say that it did resonate with a lot of people as well. Like, clearly it has an 88%. I've seen a lot of gay people being like, this really made me laugh on Twitter. So... I don't know. There might there might be different of opinions here. Clearly, you and I hated it, but some people are really enjoying it. So maybe I just didn't get it. Yeah, like it's a critically acclaimed film, but not necessarily like popular amongst audiences film. And those two things can coexist. Yeah, that's kind of it. 
I hope Billy Eichner one day has the ability to uplift voices. But I also hope that he like takes and learns from this experience in terms of like his own public persona. Like being like straight people didn't see it was like so annoying. Like if you didn't care about this movie, you probably didn't even like that response at all. Like that was annoying. I think he needs to take the failures, especially when it's a huge film like this. Like you're gonna have more eyeballs on it than like Billy on the streets. You know what yeah. I mean? Like no, yeah. like either you don't like it or you do like it, but that's very like low tier. Where like a film is gonna have more obstacles to overcome and more hurdles and more criticisms. And he just sounded whiny in response to all the criticisms. Yeah, I think that quote too was a lot of people's like first introduction to the movie. Like they hadn't even heard of it, and now they're hearing Billy Eichner shit on them for not seeing it. And yeah. that was a lot of like off. That was off-putting in itself. Yeah. But I do hope that this is good for uplifting gay voices, that it opens doors for more gay content to be in the mainstream in this way. Like, it was cool that it was in theaters. Um, But I do hope that the rest of gay media is not put on the success of this movie, that this is not what we measure how interested people are in this. Um, But I guess that's kind of it. I think that's all we have to say about bros. Yeah, I think we covered it all on my end. Um, it was a pleasure to talk about, maybe not to watch, and we hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> At least the episode, maybe not bros itself. Yeah. Um, you can, if you want to engage with us more, you can find us on Instagram at Queerbait Club. You can find us online at QueerBaitClub.com. And you can email us at QueerBaitClub at gmail.com. Perfect this time. It has been a pleasure, and we look forward to talking more next week, hopefully. Love you guys. Bye. Queer bait, queer bait.